2: Hello, this is Sam Maderface, and welcome to the Game Day Premier League podcast from Talksport, where we look ahead to the key weekend in the Premier League in the company of the assistant editor of the Mirror, Darren Lewis, and Talksport commentator Alex Crook, as City win a 36th game of 2021 and head into the new year as the Premier League's shining star. Three of Saturday's four games are live on Talksport, with City heading to Arsenal at lunchtime. Tottenham travelling for short distance to Watford. And a London derby at 5.30 as West Ham's top four credentials will be tested at Selhurst Park. Thomas Tuchel takes on compatriot Jürgen Klopp on Sunday as the battle for who can be the monious manager in the division. Sorry, second place pots up in a jam-packed Sunday afternoon. The ultimate preview to all the New Year action. And unlike Mike Dean, we won't stop it before a crucial moment. From Talk Sport, it's the Game Day Podcast. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel was seething with Mike Dean over his whistle happiness and a few other things from Wednesday night but both Chelsea and Liverpool produced stinking performances at just the wrong time uh, boys are we going to join the ranks of the overreactors and say this is it, it's all over title is done and dusted Look, surely, surely anything can happen Liverpool have a game in hand Jack and Phil can go out and organise another big bash bring the whole joint down playing devil's advocate here obviously there's a long way to go, come on let's get real
3: no, it's all over. Give City the trophy now. There is no chance that Liverpool or Chelsea make up this gap.
0: Do you know, Sam, I, I just don't see how you can say in January it's all over with 54 exactly. points to play for, injuries, COVID, the FA Cup, the Champions League, and the fact that the kind of dip in form that Chelsea and Liverpool are experiencing could easily affect City at any point over the next five months. We do this every other season and we all are always confounded. I am amazed. No chances. Crookie, at all
2: like do, Crookie does it every other week. A big bold claim, doesn't he? You know, where he's uh, <laughs> desperate to be the first person to say that this is going to happen. Are you I'm not the first one ones he gets wrong.
3: I'm not the first person because I think one popular bookmaker already paid out on Manchester City to be crowned at champions. What's that song? With PR, I, Alex. I, I believe in no. miracles. Come on, Darren.
2: We don't want any more songs from you, by the way. You, you haven't got a very good voice
3: i don't know without singing it but it goes
0: Scott McTominay
3: (laughs) Oh thank you Adrian for uh, sharing our (laughs) private conversation
2: I think he sent, you sent that to Adrian after Scott McTominay scored on Thursday night and I think he sent that to me about three seconds later (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) and and then tried to get me, because I was in the press box at Bournemouth, to record him a sue, which I didn't do
2: which you've now well, just you done. just did it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Manchester City did amass 110 points in 2021 from 44 games, which is 27 more than their nearest rivals, Chelsea, who many saw as their biggest sort of challenges at the beginning of the season. And their season took another hit at home to Brighton, where injuries and defensive frailties came back to haunt them. Both you two were there. What was your viewpoint on that and the subsequent fallout involving Romelu Lukaku?
3: my viewpoint was very different to Thomas Tuchel, who I think actually went on record in a television interview and said that uh, Chelsea deserved more than a point. I don't think they did. Um, Brighton, particularly in the second half, dominated the game. And the only surprise was that it took them so long to get the goal that that domination deserved. Yes, there was a a controversial moment with the Mason Mount foul. Mike Dean should have allowed play to come to a natural conclusion before whistling. Tuchel's right about that. So that BAR could have intervened. So that was a mistake, but Brighton were were well worth their point. And actually the body language, not just of Thomas Tuchel. We also had uh, Cesar Equator live into talk sport straight after the game. They were very downbeat, very downtrodden. And I'm just not convinced that the things that Tuchel was saying sends the right message to this group of players that they can, really Manchester City and make up this eight-point deficit.
2: We will preview all the weekend's action in just a few moments, but we're just going to have a quick look back at what happened over the weekend. I disagree with you about Brighton being uh, dominant in the second half. I actually thought it was an even game. I thought uh, they deserved to be um, uh, back on level terms and it, probably before they did get back on level terms. Chelsea had two good chances prior uh, to that Danny Welbeck equaliser, which they could have sealed the game in. Callum Hudson-Odoi breaking through the middle in the middle of the second half, Darren, he should have finished it off. And instead, once again, he sort of tried to lay it off when he could have scored. And and, and as a result, that's a key chance missed. Same thing happened against Aston Villa uh, two, three days beforehand. Uh, I do think this Romelu Lukaku stock is quite... uh, I do think this Romelu Lukaku story is quite interesting, though, because um, I don't know whether it's just elegantly timed to come out on new year's eve as a sort of look back at 2021 interview from sky italia but um he seems to have done an interview in which he suggests that he isn't very happy hasn't been very happy um And that uh, at some stage in the future, he would like to go back and play for Inter. This is what Thomas Tuchel said uh, when he heard about that interview.
1: It's uh, very easy to take lines out of context. It's very easy to to shorten lines, make headlines. But let's be honest, I don't like it because it's noise that we don't need. Uh, We need a calm environment and focus. And this does not help.
2: Tuchel clearly not happy. Darren, what do you think?
0: Well, I think he's would not to be happy because obviously everything's converging at the same time on him in terms of negativity. Having said that, I don't make Lukaku wrong. You're a £100 million striker. You've been brought to the club when he arrived at the club. Many of us assessing the title race, to be fair, many people, I should say, um, because I've always felt that Liverpool would be the team to win, but many people felt he was the final piece in a quite expensively assembled jigsaw for Chelsea. But... The point for Lukaku is that in up until the, what, the last four or five games, he's been out of the side. His start on Wednesday, Wednesday night was his first since October. Alex, I heard your commentary uh, ahead of the game. And I think as far as Lukaku is concerned, he's quite rightly thinking, I am a senior player. I'm not a kid. I'm a senior player. I am not happy. And when you are in that position... You can speak your mind. You have the right to speak your mind if you're not happy. I don't make him wrong at all.
2: But he was injured and then he got COVID, so it was very difficult to find an area where he wanted to be in the team and wasn't, apart from maybe the West Ham. No, no,
0: no, no, Sam. He He was injured, then he got COVID, then he was fit, and there were a run of games where he could have started, he could even have come on, and he didn't. That's a fact. And more than a couple of people have noted that to me during that period. Have you noticed he hasn't played? And I just thought at that time, as you were saying, he's injured and he's come back and, you know, is obviously being quite deliberate in terms of... Yeah, but clearly that's not the case. As he is saying himself, he's been available to play. He's been available to start and Tuchel's not wanted to start him. Now, set against that, Yes, there has been a lot of fluidity in that front line in the games that Chelsea were winning. But when Chelsea are not winning, then you have to question why it's not starting.
3: I believe it came to a head, the frustration for Romelu Lukaku after he was left on the bench against Manchester United, obviously keen to prove a point against his old club. I think the interview was actually done uh, the very next day. There are two intriguing elements to this for me. One, you have to ask the motivation uh for Romelu Lukaku for saying these things I don't necessarily believe it's a pop at Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel I think actually he's trying to build bridges with the Inter Milan fans yeah but in doing so he's burnt a lot of bridges I think with Chelsea supporters so that's 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 backfired
2: that's how I read it I I I sort of because of the way it's come about and who he's been doing it with and what the idea behind the interview was it was more about trying to make nice with Inter than it was about trying to cause problems with Chelsea but inadvertently I think he's done he's done that
3: but the second point to it is that Thomas Tuchel, at his press briefing on Friday, had the opportunity really to play the situation down. He didn't do that. He admitted that he was unhappy with the comments. He said they weren't helpful. That's going to be another day of back pages. Um, so I'm not sure he's handled it in the best manner either.
0: Mm. Can I just make this quick point about... I mean, he has done this interview, Lukaku with Sky Italia, a month ago. Um, but as all decent outlets would do, we would do at Talk Sport you wait for your timing where you're gonna get the most out of the interview. And they've obviously bided their time with this interview before releasing it uh, now when we're all discussing it and giving it the publicity that they would want. Having said that, I I disagree that it was, there are two distinct sections of the interview. One about Inter and wanting to build those bridges, but the other about the fact that he wants to play, he wants to start and he wasn't starting at that point. Um, and it might just be that Sky have held onto it, Sky Italia have held on to it because it, it, when they were ready to, to do it, he began to play. But now things aren't going well. Um, <laughs> the timing of it is, is particularly explosive and it doesn't help at all. But mm. I don't blame him, he is right. If you are brought to a club for a huge amount of money, you have to play. If if you know, particularly given what you give to the team, you have to play. I don't see him wrong at all.
2: OK, um, Liverpool play poorly at Leicester. Some uncharacteristic errors and a penalty miss from Mo Salas. Michael guessed right, but, you know, it was in the goalie zone, wasn't it? Not a good pen. Um, we think that 2020 might be very busy, bearing in mind there now. 17 matches to be rescheduled in the Premier League alone. Uh, talk is that they might be able to play on Champions League nights, but UEFA won't be happy about that, I don't think, even if they allow it to go ahead. They did allow it to go ahead last year. There's sort of a, a memorandum of understanding that in exceptional circumstances it can happen um But this, this is the last pod of 2021, the year that England almost won the Euros. Pep won another Premier League. Chelsea won the Champions League. Will City reign supreme again in 2022? Can Gareth rouse the three lines and win the World Cup in 2022? And can Klopp fight back and somehow drag Liverpool back into the title race? And who's going to survive in the drop? It's all going to unfold on Talksport and on the Game Day podcast. Uh, And also we've got a huge, huge quiz coming up A quiz of the year uh, coming up before the end of the programme Which is very, very exciting No producer Lucy today Because she, uh, like me, has tested positive for COVID So she's not available uh, to help us out So the quiz is in my hands, boys Bet you're excited about that, aren't you, eh? 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 Um, Right, Okay. 2021 belonged to Pep and Tuchel And the England football team So who will start 2022 with a bang? As we are about to get underway on another big afternoon of Premier League action across the TalkSport network. And here's Odegaard looking for Pepe inside the box,
3: puts it across to the far post and Smith-Rowe makes it five! De Bruyne with the in towards the near post, there is Foden, and Foden with such a calm finish to guide the ball in. Eight points clear at the top of the Premier League,
2: ten successive victories.
1: 54 points are still to play, so... Eight points is nothing when you have to play 54.
2: Benteke helping it on, Conor Gallagher has driven it in, it's 1-1. Forward now, right-hand side of the area, that's a lovely pass, in on goal and slammed in, Thomas Suchet. I
1: think we've had a great 2021, I really do. We went on a great run in January, Feb to get us in with with an outside chance of Europe, which we went on to qualify in.
2: Saturdays were made for game day and all the big games are here on Talk Sport. Uh, yes, indeed, they are. And Arsenal-Manchester City kicks off game day this Saturday at 12.30. Mikel Arteta missing the game because he too has tested positive for COVID-19. But they will have the use of their AFCON players uh, before the deadline on Monday. Not that will be a huge loss to them because they don't utilise three or four of them anyway. Or Bamiyang, El Neni, uh, But Thomas Partey will be missed, I think, when he goes. And this is the first retest, I think, Darren, for the I-can-see-what-Arteta-is-doing brigade. After thrashing Norwich, Sunderland and Leeds, can they put up a better showing than they have done in recent games against the elite?
0: No, Arsenal, that horse, that looks terrific at a certain level. But every time it steps up in class, it gets slaughtered. Uh, City beat them uh, easily earlier in the season. Uh, Likewise, Liverpool, as we know, I can't see any other result other than a City. When they're flat-track bullies at the moment, you can see what Arteta is trying to do but they don't have the steel, they don't have the consistency against the bigger clubs, and they've been very fortunate that you could make a case for all of the teams that they've beaten so far this season that they caught them all at the right time.
2: Uh, Xhaka was sent off in that first game between the two after just 35 minutes, but they were 2-0 down already by then, Crook. Uh, And the back five that day that played, out of them only Tierney will start against City on Saturday. How will the new defence fare?
3: Well, I think they'll fare better. Um, I agree with Darren. I think Arsenal will lose. Um, There's no disgrace in that. Manchester City on the back of 11 straight wins in the Premier League. They've also won 11 of their last 12 matches against Arsenal. So that that really underlines the the, the gap in class when Arsenal come up against not just Manchester City, but most of the top four. Um, And that is the... The standard that they want to be reaching, I think they're still a little way short of that. I, I still think Manchester United at this moment in time, and maybe even Tottenham are ahead of them in the race for Champions League football. But I think we'll see more character from Arsenal. That was a gutless display um, at the Etihad, epitomised by uh, the ridiculous red car. But the defending, as you say, to that point was schoolboy. They are a better unit, I think, um The biggest compliment you can pay to Mikel Arteta is that when everybody's fit, you know what the first 11 is now for Arsenal. That hasn't been the case probably since Arsene Wenger left the club. But yeah, it's going to be a difficult afternoon. Uh, No Arteta in the dugout. I wonder if uh, Manchester City might have their own... I wonder if Arsenal might have their own Arteta elf, because I'm there in your place, Sam, and I've got Mini Mata face here, my little Christmas elf with your face, looking a bit like Jeremy Beadle stuck on. And and he will be making the trip with me to the Emirates. So maybe Arsenal might do
2: similar. Oh great! Okay, well, yeah, I'm not going and to uh, commentate on this match, and you are as a result of it. Uh, so uh, you've benefited quite well for this uh, little uh, COVID period that I've had, haven't you? You've got picked up two of my matches. Do you want your Do you want your ten percent? Aren't you?
0: <laughs> he was really good too, Sam. Wednesday was he? night, he was
2: terrific. Honestly. You sure you weren't listening to another radio station? <laughs> 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 it was you, very good. Your oh, Danny Welbeck goal really well, I thought.
0: Honestly, he was. You were fantastic. For it. Yeah. Thank you,
3: Darren. Where's the
0: punchline? <laughs>
2: <laughs> as soon as, see, see, as you can't go out and get bladded on New Year's Eve, can you send me all the booze that you got in, just in okay. case you were going to have a party?
3: Uh, do you know what? I've been saving up since Christmas Eve. I've got a, a four-pint keg of Christmas ale, 5.5%. Red plum, is called. I was so looking forward to that. That's going to have to wait another 24 hours.
2: I feel like a bit of a red plum at the moment. Um, is this match likely to be a little bit more of a slugfest akin to the uh, the, the sort of Leicester game than it is at the Brentford game? Or, or will tiredness and creaky limbs creep into the situation for Manchester City? Pep clearly not happy about two games in London within four days. Hey, Pep, I'll switch you for isolation if you want.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, I think... This game will see City once again pass Arsenal to death and pick apart uh, or take advantage of the holes that they're able to create in that defence. Because as well as Arsenal's form looks and as well as they've done going forward, they will always have a mistake in them in every game. And if City are able to maximise their, their potential to, to, to draw that mistake early on, then the rest of the game will be plain sailing for them. Again, I can't see any other victory than the City
2: win. Has anyone else got a bit of a problem with the constant moaning by the managers, by the way, that is getting to become a bit of a joke? I mean, I love the Premier League, uh, but the managers who moan about having to do their job too often is is getting a little bit ludicrous, isn't it? You know, create a structure around you to cope with it. We all agree there's too much, but we know that, but... I believe it stops us from seeing that the, the levels that were reached in the huge clashes, like some of the semi-finals and the quarterfinals and the Champions League final itself, for example. Obviously, that impacts then on international football. It does need condensing. It does need sorting out. It does need organising a little bit better. But if you just whine all the time, when people are, are really bored sitting in their houses because their kids have got COVID or you're a single 20-year-old in isolation in a flat, sitting above a shop over Christmas, you, you get a little bit hacked off listening to Thomas Tuchel, Jürgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola telling you that their job is really impossible as someone hands them sort of a bottle of filtered mountain water and a reusable keep-me-cup to make them lubricated while they do their press conference.
1: It's not just
3: that, it's when you look at other sports, actually. As you know, I'm a big horse racing fan. I think they only get two days a year off, jockeys, uh, the immediate two days going into Christmas, and they could be at Newcastle on a, on a Thursday night and then have to be down at Newbury on a Friday. I don't hear them complaining. English football is unique. And one of the reasons it's unique is because of the busy festive period. We've been brought up on that. We love it. They get paid enough money to put their bodies through the mill at this time of year. And as you say, in the current climate, when you've got doctors and nurses who are having to work 15 hour shifts to help deal with the COVID pandemic, you've got delivery drivers out at all hours. It, it does stick in the throat that you've got managers like Pep Guardiola, Thomas Tuchel, Jürgen Klopp, and they do tend to be the, the overseas managers who speak out more uh, vociferously, complaining.
0: Just crack on,
2: Darren. Right, are you are you a crack on merchant, or you have you got some sympathy?
0: No, I I'm not a crack on merchant. I I do you know when it, when I was talking and and when I've heard a lot of the stuff uh, that I've heard over the last few weeks, I was thinking of Ray King's book. Where he talks about Ruud van Nistelrooy not wanting to risk his fitness at a point where he's got a minor injury, and uh, Keane thinks he's a bit of a wuss. And then he says in his book, "I wish I had taken the approach that van Nistelrooy did because he was able to play for longer than I could." Yeah, but and that doesn't
2: necessarily who... mean that you can't have a congestive Christmas Christmas period, does it? No, I mean, no, what no, it means no, is no. They said that... manage the squad a little bit better. No, no, no. Plan for it. Recruit a bigger squad.
0: But the, the general tone of our conversation is that managers shouldn't consider player welfare and playing through what is a difficult period for their no, kids. No, no, I think no, it's a, no, 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 that's for not their a
2: conversation at all. I'm not. No, saying that's that not that my the case. interpretation. No, well, no so it's not I the case. The case that is that they should put, really put a, they should put, as, as I said, no, I said at the top, they should put a structure in place to be able to cope with it.
0: Well, there is already a structure in place to be able to cope with it, but that's not to say. And all of us, you're a Chelsea fan. Mm-hmm. You and I were at Chelsea on Wednesday night. Try making all those arguments about they should get on with it to somebody like Reese James, who limped out of Stanford Bridge on crutches at, on Wednesday night, or, or Andreas Christensen, who got substituted at half-time with a back injury. Uh, we don't know when either of those players are going to be back. I take your points about all of the people in other industries who... Just get on with it. But these are elite level footballers, and you Mm. can't just throw them out every other day. The the managers have got a duty of care to those individuals' welfare. Where I do agree with you is that those teams have twenty five man squads. Yeah, so there are other players that don't necessarily get a regular game that you can play during this period mm-hmm. but I, I, I think we have to be careful not to be seen as a little bit prehistoric when we say well we've always done it it's only the foreign managers who complain about it just get on with it you know we've that, got that, to think that was more. crooked
2: he is prehistoric so <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that but I've just it's just that a it's traditionalist a <laughs> well no I get it but I mean just because we've always done something it doesn't mean that it's the right thing it just means we've always done it and i think in this era where we're starting to think a bit more deeply about the fact that a lot of money doesn't mean that what you're doing should continue
2: no, But a lot of money means you can provide yourself with resources to be able to cope in a congested period yes I mean, you can and the for the clubs the nature of the your clubs sports. yes
0: for the clubs, yes, the clubs, but I'm saying... I'm not talking players,
2: about the players. The players they shouldn't have to play any more than they do. We know there's too much football. But the clubs sad. should come up with a plan it'd to well, be able well, to deal with that by having better reasons. Where
0: I agree with you is this. The clubs voted, the Premier League member clubs voted to continue playing through this period. Yeah. So clearly they feel that it can be done. So if the managers have a problem, it should be with their chairman and chief executives and not with... The actual football,
2: even if they have got a problem, they should be articulating that away from the cameras rather than saying saying it to the supporters because the Absolutely. window to the supporters is via the media. And trying to tell a a, a lorry driver that you're annoyed that you've had to play football again doesn't necessarily do your PR, yeah. But but
0: but I, again, I, I that's a false equivalence because it you might know, be this a false equivalence, a false but that's how people feel industry where you know. We want players to be at the top of their game. We make harsh judgments. We build shows like this, judging yep. those individual player uh, players because they dip below a certain standard. But then we say, just put any old team out. You know, we, we can't have it both ways. It's if, not about
2: putting any old team out. It's about planning for the future to make sure you utilize your resources well, a, a, a sensible way in order to get to that. this. It is true.
0: That's how you do it, isn't it? Because we say, we'll be on here saying X or Y team isn't playing well. Why is that crisis at X team, this disaster at another team? When they're not putting out the side, the first Team 11, that wouldn't, uh, that would be able to produce the consistency. If a manager came out in November and said, right, what I'm going to do
2: over the next two months is, is I'm going to rest half my first team squad on a rotational basis in order to make sure but when it comes to the congested Christmas period when i've got five games in 12 days that we can be able to cope with all those competitions because that's the way to do it. If you said if he said that to you you go okay all right fair i understand what what he's doing. But anyway listen we're getting de- delved into a very huge debate of which we haven't really sort of centred it around one particular game but it does apply to not only Manchester City who can do that which is why they are not in the situation of everybody else uh, and arsenal who uh, this weekend will probably have most of their squad available, and then next week that will be slightly more difficult for them. Uh, Watford against Tottenham is 3 o'clock on Saturday. Adrian Durham's going to be presenting game day live from Vicarage Road. Tottenham without Stephen Bergwijn, who picked up an injury over the festive period. Uh, Everyone except City slows up over this period, but I thought Spurs were average against Southampton. It's good for them that they're facing Watford, whose defence is in a race to the bottom with Norwich, isn't it, uh, Brook?
3: Yeah, Watford's form since Claudio Ranieri came in, we touched on it last week. Apart from that, that win against Manchester United has been dire. Uh, And at the moment, if you're looking for three teams to go down, you would say that Norwich and Watford are probably the two certainties. But you're right about Spurs. Again, we touched on it in the the post-match pod. That was a big opportunity uh, against a much-changed Southampton side. And actually, it comes back to the debate that you were making about managers utilising their squads. Ralph Hasenhutl did that. He took a bit of a risk with his team selection. It was pre-planned. They knew before the West Ham game, what the 11 would be against Tottenham, and he and it worked. So credit to him for that, and there's, there's no crisis at Southampton. I think it's been a pretty good first half of the season for them under the circumstances. Tottenham need to win this game. There that, that was two points dropped uh, against Southampton because of how poor they were at the start of the season, leading to Nuno Espirito-Santo's dismissal. They can't afford too many more slip-ups. If they were to drop points against Watford, that would be a hammer blow to their hopes of qualify for the Champions League.
2: Watford giving everybody at the bottom of the table a little bit of hope, aren't they, with their dreadful run of form. And they are the worst hit team in terms of numbers departing for the AFCON. Um, they played a little game in Nigeria, which is not the right thing to do, by the way, uh, over Emmanuel uh, Dennis. They tried to say that they didn't receive the email in time for him to be called up, which is, uh, which is probably a little bit naughty, really, isn't it? Uh, Adam Messina is going away with Morocco, Ishmael Assar, Senegal, William Kong, Nigeria, and Imran Luz is with Morocco as well. Crook, you look like you're poised to say something about that.
1: Well, I
3: think there's breaking news this morning, actually, that Emmanuel Dennis isn't going to link up uh, for the African Cup of Nations. I think Watford have got their way um, on that one. That uh, was, I believe, a statement that has been released that in the last few hours by man. the Nigerian Football Federation, confirming that he has been excused from international duty. I
0: think that's, I, I, do you know what? Outrageous. I think that's unacceptable. I think it's absolutely disgraceful. And I think everyone connected with that decision deserves criticism at Watford. I've got no compunction whatsoever about saying it. We would nip. Imagine if Watford had got their way over a player playing for England in the Nations League. Say they said, no, we're not allowing, I don't know, Harry Kane or... Raheem Sterling to go and play in the Nations League. It's unacceptable. And Watford are being selfish, they're being disrespectful, and I, I have no compunction about using all of those quotes to, to, to describe it, because I think it's the latest in a long line, long line of English clubs basically saying, our club is more important than your country.
2: But it's Should the same that thing as what we were saying before as well, though, Darren. It's as, as the same point. To me, it's the same thing. You know, I know, Crook knows, anybody involved in football knows that in the football calendar, at that time of year, the African Nations uh, Cup is ongoing. If you sign players that play for African Nations that are competing in that competition, you are going to lose them in that period. You know this. It is not a secret. Don't sign them and then moan about it or try and stop them from playing. It's, I, I think it's inc- I think it's wrong. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. I also think it's wrong there's not an international break to cover it. You know, at the end of the day, it should be given its own special window. But as I said before, the calendar is so badly organised that, that for whatever reason, it isn't presented as that.
0: But- and you know, Sam, look, the, the, the badly organised calendar isn't Watford's fault. But the fact is, as you say, you've signed a player who's good enough to represent his country at AFCON level when that AFCON comes around, you must allow him to go and play. It should not be the case that you explore loopholes to keep a, a grown man from going and representing his country at the highest level. Because an
2: email didn't arrive in time. I mean, it's almost as bad as the other garbage. transfer didn't go through because of the fax machine not working. I mean, it's-, it's garbage.
0: And I, You know what, as well, I'll go further. I think when we are in our press conferences talking to guys like Ranieri, we have to say so. We have to be honest about this. We have to break this culture where managers are allowed to make half-baked excuses for why they are denying top players to go and play for their clubs. Otherwise, we will continue to have this straw argument that, oh, we needed him because this, and they didn't do that. And it's all disrespect. None, none of up. those
2: none of those arguments stand out, because ultimately, he could go and win the AFCON with Nigeria. And that's, that, that is international football, allegedly, is, it takes supremacy over club football. So that's just the way life is, I'm afraid. Get on with it. Have
3: you, have you seen the statement the Nigerian Football Federation have released? <laughs> I'll quote it. Inform rapid raider Emmanuel Dennis, whose English premiership club is bearing fangs, has been excused to provide room for Czech Republic based forward Peter Oleinka.
0: Bearing fangs? I've never heard that term used in a press release before. Clearly, the what work they're suggesting is that Watford aren't even saying. Um, look, well, they're suggesting that, that, that the the are up for a they're, they're fight, suggesting they? that they've been quite intimidating.
2: Yeah, obviously. they're, 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 they're saying that Watford are going to do something in order to try and stop it from happening. And so, rather than have a fight about it, they're going to switch it out, switch the player out for somebody else, and get on with their, 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 their tournament. That's the way it sounds Ooh, is- outrageous, <laughs> absolutely outrageous. at five thirty, Crystal Palace against West Ham, talk sport that's live. Uh, Palace thrashed Norwich with a much-changed team on Tuesday. Palace played very well, but Norwich were hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. The fact that they are going to get more points than Derby did in that season where they effectively gave up is startling because you look at Norwich and you think, how on earth are you in the Premier League? Um, Anyway, Crystal Palace are, uh, and they face West Ham, who have pepped themselves up with a big result at um, uh, Watford. Uh, but if they uh, want uh, Champions League football, it has to be back-to-back wins, doesn't it, Crook?
3: Yes, it does. Uh, first of all, uh, we're not going to talk much about Norwich because they aren't playing. But thank you to to the growing number of Norwich fans. You've actually reached out to me and said we apologise for all the abuse we gave you earlier in the season. You're absolutely spot on with your assessment of our club, so uh, I'm grateful for that.
2: Don't want to talk about Angus Gunn. Uh,
3: anyone got an abacus to work out all the goals that he's conceded in his last three? Premier League appearances. Poor old Angus. Um, but in terms of West Ham, that was an important victory. Uh, yes, it was against Watford, so you have to take that into account, but they had clearly lost their way. It was interesting to hear uh, Mikel Antonio in the build-up to the game talking about mental fatigue, and I do think there is a mindset whereby if you keep being told by managers that you're tired, then, then maybe you will start to feel tired. I was impressed with Palace uh, against Norwich. Okay, again, the, the opposition were poor. Will Hughes was terrific. And I think he's yeah, been a he really was. good addition at, at 10 million pounds. Odson Edward will take confidence from the goal, albeit a penalty, a first goal of the season from a as well. And psychologically to win a game without Wilfred Zaha, I think is a big boost because they'd only done that three times in the 24 Premier League games. He'd missed prior to that game against Norwich. So, this is going to be a good ding-dong between two London rivals.
2: I thought Mateta was good, actually. I thought it put in a very good performance, and he played a part in, uh, in a couple of the goals, didn't he? played a part in Schlupp's goal as well. Um, the last three games between these two have finished 2-2, 2-3 and 1-1. And there was also a 3-2 in December 2018. So let the fun commence. Should be some Sunday fun day as well, because we've got it all covered on Talk Sport as we go round the grounds on the Sunday session.
1: For the delivery into
3: Lukaku, who heads Chelsea in front. Well, I said he was eager to make up for lost time, Romelo Lukaku, and he's done
1: just that. I don't feel him unhappy. I feel I feel the exact opposite. If you ask me yesterday morning, I would say I feel the exact opposite, and. That's why it's a surprise, but I'm the wrong person to ask.
3: The last time I was at the bridge, they beat Juve 4-0. And they were fantastic. And we know what quality Chelsea have got. Tonight wasn't that case. The referee blows the whistle! Leicester City have done it! They've beaten Liverpool by a goal to nil! It
2: was not our plan to
1: give City the chance to run away or whatever. I don't have a proper explanation for tonight, but to find this explanation is my main concern and not, in this moment, the gap to City.
2: Chelsea will retain Edouard Mendy until Monday morning. Uh, um, Sadio Mane and uh, Mo Salah, Naby Keita, can all stay with Liverpool until then as well, before the African starts this week. So it will be a heavyweight clash when Chelsea take on Liverpool Sunday 4.30. Well, apart from the fact that Chelsea are missing seven COVID-hit players, James Christensen and Chilwell through injury. The worst thing that could happen here, though, Darren, is that these two draw this match. Because if they draw this match, Manchester City start getting up over the hill and far, far away.
0: Yeah, they do. And the big winners on Sunday afternoon should be us watching the game because I think there'll be two teams that will go all out for the win. And when that happens, I expect Liverpool to take advantage of Chelsea's very (sighs) fragile confidence because right now, I think they're there for their taking. Uh, Crook, you and I were there on Wednesday night, and they just look... You know what? They reminded me of a boxer who starts brightly, but eventually just can't fend off the punches from uh, the opposing fighter. And it doesn't really matter what calibre the opposing fighter is. They normally manage to strike a knockout blow, and I think Liverpool have just got so many potent forwards, Jota... Mane, even though he hasn't scored for, I think, seven games, I think he might be able to get off the mark in this game. Um, And Salah, of course, I just think it's going to be a tight game, but I expect Liverpool to win.
2: Lukaku versus Van Dijk was the way the game was built when it was live on TalkSport in August, and Lukaku barely featured. Who are the key players this time around?
3: The key players are missing for Chelsea,
2: uh, quite
3: frankly. Uh, Without Rhys James, without Ben Chilwell... I think it's a big problem uh, because they're so integral to the way that Thomas Tuchel wants his teams to play. Uh, I think if Lukaku does fire another blank, then again, the the argument about him being to use Darren's words from earlier, a flat trap bully will rear their head again. I think Angolo Conte has to start the game. I was at Brentford in the league cup a couple of weeks ago. He came on and changed that game in Chelsea's favor. He came on against Brighton uh, and made a real impact. They look a much stronger unit, a much uh, Uh, more competent midfield with him in it. But I think given the injuries they've got, given the firepower that Liverpool possess, given actually that Jurgen Klopp will want his team to bounce back from that Leicester defeat. I'm with Darren. I think Liverpool will will win the game and that will certainly put to bed any argument about Chelsea being a part of the title race in the second half of the season.
2: Mm -hmm. N'Golo Conte is a big problem for Chelsea, isn't he? Because that midfield area is absolutely um, without balance when he is not in it. Jorginho was awful on Wednesday night. I mean, obviously, he's played a lot of games, but he, um, his touch, his awareness, his timing was all off on Wednesday night. And uh, Kovacic wasn't much better. He's got a, maybe a little bit more of an excuse bearing in mind he's just coming back uh, from injury and COVID. But that blend in midfield is, has been a problem for Chelsea since the beginning of the season. It's why they dipped into the transfer market and tried to bring Saul Niguez in. But, you know, that, obviously, that hasn't worked either and you just wonder whether or not that is something that Chelsea need to look at because Eves Basuma had an absolutely yeah. wonderful night on Wednesday night. He ran the show. He absolutely ran the show in the middle of the park, which is a real problem. I think it's also going to be very frightening for Marcus Alonso. who's now going to have to play quite a lot of games at left wing back and he's going to be uh, up against Mo Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> I mean uh, I mean if you're going to have a bet on whose hamstrings are going to be next to go, it's probably going to be his, isn't it? You know the the,
0: the... The one thing that strikes me about Chelsea is that they are a reminder to all of the people who think the title race is over that you just can't get carried away in football. Because at the start of this season, more than a few people were saying they can't see past Chelsea with Lukaku, that missing piece of the jigsaw, their defensive strength, their quality in midfield, their plethora of options on either wing nobody could see part Well, nobody many people couldn't see past Chelsea and now the wheels are falling off two wins from their last six and that's why you can't get carried away with City so many things can happen over the course of five months and I think you're right when you look at that back line I still think they're good players but I think their confidence is gone Mendy doesn't even look as assured as he has done in the recent past, um, I, how Danny Welback manages to rise above that defence with uh, Chalaba in there, with Rudiger in there at the end of the game and head home, I have no idea. But that's precisely because the confidence has gone from that back line and that's why I think Liverpool will win.
2: I'll take responsibility for that because I just sent a text message to a Chelsea friend of mine in which I said, Trevor Chalaba, I'll have him in the defence Every day ahead of Andreas Christensen. Every day. Give me Chalaba. And then about three seconds later, he gets out and jumped by Danny Welbeck. <laughs> Going home now. Oh no, I'm, a, I'm already home. I've been home for about 25 days. Uh, these are usually tight games. Uh, Chelsea won at Anfield in March, drew in August. Uh, Liverpool won at the bridge last September when Christensen mounted Sadio Mane for some inexplicable reason. Uh, there's the ghost goal, the Gerrard slip. It's a rivalry that blossomed over the last 20 years but they're probably united in a bit of frustration this new year. Two o'clock on Sunday, Brentford against Aston Villa. Manchester City were tested by Brentford, who didn't let them out of their grasp on Wednesday night. Aston Villa, competitive, I thought, with Chelsea, but are at a level below the leaders. Thomas Frank, the Brentford head coach, was missing 11 players for that game on Wednesday, including Mbamo, who had a calf problem, and the suspended Christian Norgaard. But they've got the attitude, haven't they? Well, let's just get on with it. Let's just do it. Let's enjoy our time here. Yeah, I think
3: they've been a, a breath of fresh air, really, um, in terms of what they've added to the Premier League. I'm not necessarily a big admirer of their playing style, but I like the the you character. Were like Wimbledon, yeah, I like that, the team. I like the team spirit. I'm a big don't fan. We, don't we
2: of, think we should ever forget anybody. Let anybody forget that you said that. that you, yeah,
3: that no, hard. it's fine. I, I'll, I'll stand by those comments. They are very direct, but I think actually I'll take a lot of confidence from the fact that they weren't swept aside by Manchester City, as perhaps uh, many of us expected, particularly given the absentees that you've already mentioned. I think for me, this game revolves all around Ollie Watkins uh, facing his former club in the Premier League. I think he is a player who probably has still got another couple of gears to go up, and it's going to be a big uh, 2022 for him with with the carrot of a World Cup place, potentially, at the end of it. I've been impressed with what Steven Gerrard has done at Aston Villa, and I think this will be an entertaining game, which, which is difficult to call. I wouldn't be surprised to see a draw.
2: Okay, Jacob Ramsey, I thought, had a very good tour, 2021 as well. And I think that in 2022, he will emerge as a central player uh, for Villa and for Stephen Gerrard. Monday night, we should probably touch on Manchester United against the Wolverhampton Wanderers.
3: I don't know without singing it, but it goes, do, 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 do. Scott
0: McTominay. Do, 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 do.
2: Uh yeah, uh, Scott McTominay leading the charge on Thursday <laughs> night as Manchester United put three points on the board over Ralph Rangit. What was your assessment of that game, um, Darren?
0: Sorry, I was just on the phone to the, um, the Eurovision Song Contest. We're asking about Alex's availability. Hey. Um, <laughs> I'd probably win it. <laughs> <laughs> probably would. <laughs> um, Monday night will be interesting because Wolves are far more defensively organised than Burnley was at any stage, Burnley were at any stage on Thursday night. And there'll be much a much more interesting test for United because they'll set out to frustrate, they're organised, they're disciplined and the pressure is on Man United to break them down. I'm still not quite convinced. I know Ralph has called it the best win since he's been at the club, but he's coming from a very low bar. And I think as far <laughs> as United are concerned... Their front line is decent, but their back line, very, very ordinary. Um, so I'd like to see a little bit more from them before I start breaking out the bunting.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's time for the end of year quiz. <laughs> You're in that. Let's start again. Okay. <laughs> It's time for the end of your quiz Uh, Lucy isn't here this week So uh, it is just me asking the questions Uh, Gentlemen You've got 30 seconds uh, To be able to uh, Answer as many Premier League questions As you can Or football questions as you can And the person who gets the most right Ends up winning The overall title of Super Super Premier League prod, podcaster of the year. Right. Um, who wants to go first?
0: Go on, I'll, I'll, I'll go first.
2: You'll go first? Okay. All right. Okay. You've got 30 seconds. I'm going to ask you questions. You've got to try and um, answer as many as you can in that 30 seconds. And uh, Crook will keep score for you. Okay. You ready?
0: Crook, feel free to help me if you can.
2: Okay. No, no. He can't help you. He's competing against you.
0: I know. I know. I know. But it's just I funny. actually feel really nervous.
2: Darren, are you ready for your 30 seconds? I am. Okay, pass if you need to. Okay, I will. Uh, In which city did Chelsea win the Champions League in 2021?
0: Um, uh, Porto. Correct. Uh,
2: Which club accumulated the most points in 2021 in the Premier League? Uh, Liverpool. How many games of football against Premier League opponents did Norwich win in 2021?
0: Premier League opponent, zero. No, 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 one.
2: And who is the Premier League's top scorer in 2021? I will let you have that, if you can answer it.
0: Premier League's top scorer in 2021. I would have said Harry Kane because he won the Golden Boot, but most Salah's outgunned him, surely. Salah.
2: It is Salah, well done. So you've got two points. Um, so Chelsea did win the Champions League in Porto. The club that accumulated the most points in 2021, I told you at the top of the podcast, was Manchester City. Thanks for listening. Uh, How many games of football uh, against Premier League opponents did Norwich win in 2021, including the FA Cup as well? How many? Crook? I've gone two. Two is right, yeah, okay. And Salah was the top scorer in 2021. Crook, are you ready for your 30 seconds? You've got to beat two. Darren was so bad. It's going to be so days. hard for that you was Darren's crook. second go at it as well. When we first recorded it, he got zero. So I thought we had the first go
0: was a minute long and not 30 seconds.
2: Okay. Are you ready, Crook? Yep. Okay. Your time starts now. Question number one. Which current Premier League player scored just as many goals as Mo Salah in the top flight leagues in 2021?
3: Oh, that would be somebody coming from the championship, I would imagine. But I don't know. past. Pass.
2: Uh, which Portuguese star ended 2021 with eight goals in his last 10 starts in all competitions but it was only his second top scorer in his club?
3: Uh, Diogo Jota.
2: Correct. Uh, Aged 21 th- years and 215 days, who became the second youngest City player to score 20 Premier League goals for the club in 2021?
3: That 30 seconds went really quick.
2: Just to go through some of the answers there, which current Premier League player scored just as many goals as Mo Salah in the top flight leagues in 2021? 24, Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: Uh, Yeah. Is he the second top scorer at United, Sam?
2: No, no, no. That's Diego Jota. That was a different question. Right, okay. Next question. Okay. Thanks for listening again. Um, Right, okay. So, nearest the pin for the overall title of quiz champion. Here's the question that will settle the tie. Todd Cantwell could be on the move in January, but how many goals did he get Norwich, the last time the Canaries were in the top flight. Ooh. First answer.
0: Four. Alex. Four. Darren. Uh, six.
2: Six. Final answer.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with
2: six. Rookie. it was six Darren congratulations you're the winner
3: if you keep getting an extra go at it you're going to win in the end are not you
2: fantastic (laughs) well done excellent work Darren that was brilliant you deserved your victory after all of your hard work over the course of the season next time
3: I play golf I'm going to take four balls to the (laughs) tee
2: that'll make a change Everton against Brighton is two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Rafa Benitez wanted his game canned over Christmas and he got his festive wish. Uh, This will be Everton's first deployment since the Chelsea match two weeks ago. They face a Brighton side that took Chelsea's task on Wednesday night and deserve their point. Uh, They'll hope to cause Rafa more grief. We will come to Brighton in just a second with Crook. But Darren, what should Rafa have been working on during that 16-day gap?
0: Um, I think he needed to be working on their defence because they have been so poor, so disorganised. There have been so many games that they've been unable to see out. And I think in, in terms of the surgery that he needs to perform in the summer, there's a very obvious area, which is the centre of di- his defence. Luca Dina, the relationship between him and Dina has, has uh, sorry, Dina and Rafa. Luca Dina, the relationship with him has broken down completely. So clearly he needs a replacement in that position. But overall, it's defence. Everton have got no chance of achieving their objectives if they can't sort that out. And they've got to get some of that dead wood out of the club to finance new
2: signings too. Um, Crook, as far as Brighton are concerned, will they be licking their lips and thinking that Everton will be there for the taking? We've seen some teams come back after a bit of a break and thrive from the fact that they've had time off, and others just look a little bit ring-rusting.
3: I guess it will depend how many of the, the absentees Everton can call upon. I actually covered this game, uh, the reverse meeting at the Amex, and uh, was full of praise for Rafa Benitez on that occasion. They were uh, comfortable winners that afternoon. It looked at that stage as if Everton were, were heading in the right direction. Clearly, they've hit a few bumps in the road since then. I think Brighton will take confidence from a good festive period. The win against Brentford backed up by a point uh, against Chelsea I still think their Achilles heel is actually finishing off their chances. But if Danny Welbeck can stay fit, and that's a big if, because we know that in the recent past, he struggled with that. He could be a really important player for them in, in the second half of the season. I, I do like what Graham Potter is doing there. I think they're very pleasing on the eye. I think the fact they managed to to restrict Chelsea to one goal without Lewis Dunk, without Adam Webster, without Duffy as well, is credit to... The way that he gets them organised and credit to the likes of uh, Joel Veltman as well, signed for less than a million pounds and Dan Byrne, who came up through the EFL. I think it's, um, yeah, that was a really good achievement. And at the moment, you'd have to say on form, you'd fancy them to follow up with a result in this game.
2: Whoever gets relegated from the Premier League will insist that an asterisk goes by their name and they get some sort of uh, parachute payment, which is... uh inflated because they don't deserve to be relegated. Uh, Leeds against Burnley. Both these teams might be in consideration for that. Uh, Burnley will lose their summer signing Maxwell Corne after this game. He's been their best attacker this season. The reason I bring up the sort of controversy around who gets relegated, who doesn't is because it could be a massive blow for Sean Dyche's team. If they play their rearranged games during the AFCON, then they're playing without one of their best and brightest tools, aren't they?
0: My big worry for Burnley is that a bigger club will come in during this upcoming window and try to buy Maxwell Corne because he's decent defensively. He's terrific going forward. He's composed in front of goal. And with respect to Burnley, he could easily do well at a bigger club. Having said all of that, I saw a lot in the game against Manchester United to suggest that if they were to buy a couple of... Uh, if they were to buy a couple players, of, yeah, well, I was going to say strikers <laughs> because I think the strikers they've got at the moment have completely lost their form. Chris, Chris Wood, Mate Vid in the game last night uh, on Thursday night, it found himself in the box on side and just completely lost his bearings, mm. which you can't afford to do, and he does far too often in the Premier League. And I think, like Brighton. Burnley need a couple of forwards who know where the goal is if they're going to stay up.
2: Yeah, I'm a bit worried about Burnley. And the reason I'm worried about Burnley is because the all age old conversation that we've had on this podcast about if you circle the drain long enough, eventually you go down the plug hole. But also, you know, there are 10 players at that club who are out of contract at the end of the season. And that means that for the last six months of the campaign, there'll be one or two with their eyes on what is going to happen to them next season rather than what is happening at this moment in time.
3: Just a quick word on Leeds before we move on. Marcelo Bielsa addressing the media on Friday, confirming that Calvin Phillips and Liam Cooper probably won't play again until March, which is obviously a huge blow for their own survival hopes. And and a good bit of New Year's Eve news for our producer, Jeremy. He's a massive Leeds fan. So I just oh, thought I'd drop that in.
2: Jeremy, 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 the Leeds fan who's producing in the absence of Lucy today. Uh, he's going to be having a happy new year by the sounds of it. Not um, Southampton, Newcastle is two o'clock on uh, Sunday. Newcastle's game with Everton went on Thursday. Ralph Halson, who talked very upset about that and says there is talk about cancelling games because of injuries now, something he said he had issues with last season and no one came to his rescue. He was sceptical that Newcastle couldn't have fielded a team because he counted their players uh, from the night before and said, well, they've only picked up two more injuries. Um, It's a big period for Newcastle, this, isn't it? They play three of those six teams above them and around them in the next month. Southampton, then they're at home to fourth from bottom Watford on January the 15th. They travel to fifth from bottom Leeds United on January the 22nd. Everton at St. James's Park, and then Aston Villa follow those. So it is important, imperative, uh, that uh, the next few games is when they start to come to the party.
0: It is. and and Listen, I I don't just want to apply this to to Newcastle because I think a lot of clubs now, it's the thing that nobody dare say, but there is a view that some clubs, and I'm not going to ascribe this to any one particular... I'll start this again. It is... And I don't want to ascribe this to any one club, but I will say that there is a view among a lot of people that a number of clubs now with injuries, as you've been suggesting, uh, Crook, and poor form are claiming COVID in a bid to get to the sanctuary of the January transfer window so they can get reinforcements in. Now, we don't know whether or not that's true or not. Either way, in relation to Newcastle, But it is true to say that if they have been doing the work behind the scenes that they need to, by the time they go into some of these key fixtures, they will have a better team than than before the window opened. And that could give them half a chance. And if you're looking for a team to stay up, I think they might have to make history to do it, Premier League history, but I think it could be Newcastle.
2: Mm, Right, okay. Um, To get to 36 points in May, they probably need to win at least nine of their remaining fixtures, having won just one over the course of the first half of the season. That sounds a little bit fanciful, but they do get the ability to uh, use the PIF money and uh, buy their way out of trouble. Whether or not anyone will sell them anybody is a different matter. On the pitch, they deserved to beat Manchester United the other night, and it was only a little bit of good fortune, actually, from Ralph Ragnick's side that they didn't. But missing some Maximo and Wilson for any extended period of time, and you wonder where the threat is going to come from, Crook.
3: Yeah, you do. Um, and actually, I think the, the, the spiky comments that uh, have been made by Ralph harsen might uh, might have a bearing on this game because he'll be really fired up to back those up uh, with a victory. If they could get one, that would cap a, a really good festive period for Southampton. I agree with Darren. I think it's illogical in, in lots of ways, but because they have the, the ability to go out and spend money, I think Newcastle have a fight, fighting chance. We thought a couple of weeks ago it would depend on how they can strengthen defensively. I think Kieran Trippier is a sign that it will happen. But now they're looking at how they replace Callum Wilson in particular. And I've said all along, strikers and and forward players are harder to find in January than defenders. So I do think Wilson's absence is is a massive blow for Eddie Howe.
2: Makes it even harder, I think, that the AFCON takes place when it does because a lot of the strikers that you might well be looking at or the the pool of strikers that you're looking at sort of diminishes and, and shrinks because a lot of them are occupied with uh work elsewhere uh gents well, i hope you have a great new year's eve by the way i'll be sitting in my pajamas uh, as i am right now by the way look christmas pajamas still on I only just rolled out of bed got nothing else to do um that's it from us in 2021 we'll be back with some exciting plans in 2022 hopefully we'll be back on monday with me out of isolation and looking back at a few festive new year crackers uh, keep listening to talk and thanks for downloading The Game Day podcast. And why don't you send us a tweet or a text and tell us what you'll be dancing to this New Year's Eve? We know what we'll be jigging to, that's for sure. I don't know
1: without singing it, but it goes, Scott McTominay. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.